Good evening, everyone. Can you all hear me? Yes? Good. Uh, if you can't, just raise your hand. Um, yeah, I have a little bottle of water here because I've been talking a lot, right? So let's begin with a prayer to the Holy Spirit. Near the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and enkindle them the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit, and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. Father, you taught the hearts of your faithful people by sending them the light of the Holy Spirit, and that same spirit help us to relish what is right and always rejoice in its consolation. We ask you this through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, our final talk in our, our mission of Pentecost. It is so good to see you all here. This talk, we are going to focus in on one of the virtues. One of the virtues that the Holy Spirit will always draw us to. Okay? I will tell you what it is in just a second. But first, let me just start out by saying that the Holy Spirit dwelling within each one of us, remember from our talk yesterday, God is not somewhere out beyond the clouds, some sort of distant entity, but rather in a most remarkable reality. All of us, baptized and in the state of grace, have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. As St. Paul so wonderfully said, the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells also within you. Tomorrow morning, when you wake up and you are brushing your teeth and you look in the mirror, remember that. Every moment, we have to remember that. You and I are temples. We are temples, as St. Paul writes. God dwells within us. We are sacred ground. That for me, I, I tell you, that has been the biggest game changer in my life. To go from Jason, just me, to know that within me, God is present. God is present. And whenever the Holy Spirit starts to inspire because God is present, things begin to happen within us. The fathers of the church use wonderful examples to illustrate the Holy Spirit's presence in our life. One of them, one of my favorite ones, is a, um, a bowl of water, right? or a pan of water that's put over the fire. The fire is underneath, and it starts to heat the water. 
I did that this morning because the priests here don't make coffee strong enough for me. So I took, you know, I dug around in the kitchen, found the pots and pans, found the, the pan, brought the pot, and I took out the pot, I put it on top of the fire, and I was waiting for the bubbles to come up. And I poured the coffee that I was given yet last night right straight in there, and I made a strong brew, darker than my black suit, just like I like it. Okay, so the fire brings the bubbles up right? The fathers of the church write that the fire dwelling within, the Holy Spirit dwelling within, ushers forth virtues. The virtues are like these bubbles within that start coming up, arising naturally. It's one of the signs of the Holy Spirit's action in our life when we start to feel an attraction to what is good, noble, just, pure, and worthy of praise, like we were speaking about in the homily today. The fire of Pentecost. Number two is the wind, right? The wind. This, too, is a wonderful example that the fathers of the church use. They talk about somebody who goes sailing in the ocean, And they get in their sailboat and they start rowing out, waiting for that wind. And that rowing out is all of the effort that we make to better ourselves, that we make to grow in virtue, to love as we ought. It's all the effort that you and I do that prepares the ground. And then the sailor raises the sail. And waits for the wind. And there's all that effort. But then one moment, suddenly, the wind blows. The boat takes off and sails without any effort. This is when the Holy Spirit comes with force into our life and inspires us and moves us. And things come naturally to us. We go to Mass on Sunday without really even thinking about it. We desire to pray. When did prayer become a habit for you? It's a sign of the Holy Spirit. We desire to live virtue. This is the wind of the Spirit. Like we were talking about yesterday, the Holy Spirit acts upon our personality. Upon what makes you wonderfully you. And inspires you in the areas that makes you wonderfully you. So, the virtues that you have, the love that you have are yours, but they are enhanced by this power and this strength. Sometimes subtly, sometimes without us even noticing, but sometimes in moments where we need it most with great force.
Have you ever had a moment in your life that was challenging, difficult, a struggle, and you're facing it and you're thinking to yourself, how will I ever get through this moment? How can I get through the anxiety of these times? And then you find yourself on the other side of it. And maybe it wasn't the easiest things, and maybe there were some bumps and bruises along the way, but yet there you are. We get our way through, right? I like to think, I have to say, more people walk on water than you would think. There are people that are living remarkable virtue through the gift of the Holy Spirit. I remember in Manhattan, I would go to visit this lady. Uh, She was, you know, elderly, a shut-in. And I would go to bring her communion. And I would go downstairs. This is on the, I could step off the busy streets of Manhattan. And there she was all frail in her bed in her last moments. And I would give her communion. And the way she would receive the blessed sacrament, it was so moving. And then she would say to me, here, Father. And she would reach out and she would give me a $1 bill. This is to thank you for coming to visit. And she would say, and when I get better, I'm going to take you to a Yankee game. And I would say, oh, I can't wait to go to a Yankee game with you, you know. And then I would sit down at her bedside, and there she is. She's just like frail as you can possibly imagine. And like a piece of paper and just laying in the bed. And and, um, I would say to her, what can I pray for? And she would say to me, Oh, Father, I don't need any prayers. I have everything that I need. You just brought me the blessed sacrament. I know my children love me. I don't need anything else. And I would be looking at her. I was like, this lady is way beyond, (laughs) just really incredible. Amazing. Where, where does she get the grace of peace in this moment? That's the Holy Spirit. And then one time she said to me, I don't need any prayers, but I want you, Father, to pray for all those young people out there. I hear them coming out of the bars at four o'clock in the night and they wake me up and they're the ones that need prayers. It was so wonderful. I loved going to visit her. Wonderful. There you have an example. Somebody who's in a difficult moment, but the Holy Spirit is giving the gift of peace. This is amazing. As a priest, I feel like I have this front row seat to grace, how grace is acting in people's lives. What you and I can do, as I was saying yesterday, is to become aware, aware of the spirit that is dwelling within us. 
And in moments where we are being either A, drawn towards virtue, or being tested for it, to invoke the power and the grace of the Holy Spirit. It works. It really does. One of my last, well, when I was still in the Basilica of St. Patrick's Old Cathedral, I, um, excuse me. I had prepared my homily and I'd written it out word for word. It was for an, an important occasion. So I wanted everything to be precise. And I went up to the high pulpit there at the cathedral and I put my homily there in the high pulpit. Then I went, came down and I went into the sacristy to vest. And unbeknownst to me, the sacristan, a very good and dutiful sacristan, went up to clean the pulpit and took my homily and threw it in the garbage. <laughs> so you go up. I present, hallelujah, this packed cathedral. I go all the way up. I'm looking. I come up over the cathedral and up in the high pulpit, and I look out at all, everyone. I read the gospel, and I reach down to grab the homily. I'm like, uh, where is it? <laughs> it's not there. And then you look out, and you're like, all right, Holy Spirit, let's do this. Moments like this. As a priest, I find myself in it. But each one of you in your own circumstances of life, I'm sure have moments. It's in these times to intentionally invoke the reality of what is the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. Okay, let's talk about our one virtue. The one virtue. The virtue I'd like to talk about today is patience. Patience. You know, a doc, when you're a doctor, I, would, I would imagine maybe there's a doctor in the house, right? You see people coming in over and over and over again, right? And they're always asking about one particular thing. As a priest... Most people come and they ask me about patience. How can I be patient, Father? I need help being patient, patience, patience, patience. I think it's one of the virtues that people struggle with the most. So I would like to offer some insights on living patience well. Living patience well. And... I would like to just focus in on one virtue because all of the virtues are connected. When we focus in on one virtue, we will find that we have to live many of them. If I want to be patient, I also need to love. I also need to have self-control. I also have to have empathy. I have to have hope. I have to have wisdom. I have to have self-knowledge. So you can see how virtues are all connected. It's like a diamond. 
different facets, each one of them a different virtue that make up a wonderful whole, which is how we love. So when the Holy Spirit is inviting us into living one virtue like patience, in fact, we are being strengthened in our whole person. But with that in mind, let us think about five ways, five things that we can do to live patience well. Number one, number one, ask for it. This would go in line with the gift of the spirit of piety to ask, to ask God. I learned this from my dad. My dad prayed all the time for patience. If I had a penny for every time I heard my dad say, Lord God, grant me patience, the church would be well-funded. <laughs> he would pray it a lot. I remember once I had just gotten my driver's license. I drove to Mass on my own, and my mom and dad and my younger brother, Aaron, now Father Aaron, rode together. Father Aaron had to take the back seat of the family station wagon, and I had my own car. And I was so excited because I could get out of Mass on time and make it home for the kickoff of the Vikings-Packers game. So at the second Father gave the final blessing, I was out the door like a cannonball, into my car, flying home. The problem was, it was really icy. And the neighbor girl had just gotten her driver's license too. And the two of us came around the corner and I hit my brake and she hit her brake and we collided and we both ended up in the ditch together. And I knew my parents were gonna be coming home and I sat there on my car waiting for them. And I could see, my, oh gosh, I could see mom and dad coming around the bend. And my mom is looking and she sees the car accident and me there. And she goes, starts yelling. And my dad reaches over and he puts his hand over her mouth. Like this. And he stops right next to me. We're like a block from my house. And he rolls down the window. And he says to me, not good. <laughs> Make a plan for how you're going to pay for it. And he, I could see him mouthing as he's getting closer. Patience. Grant me patience. Grant me patience. In the moment where most people swear, in the moment where most people curse, that's the moment where we should be asking for patience. We get what we ask for. When something goes wrong and we curse the moment, we are actually truly cursing. 
And then we're surprised that things get worse, but we're cursing our life. But in those moments, if we can have just a little bit of self-control to lift our heart to God, to invoke the power and the grace of the Holy Spirit, there we grow in virtue. Ask for it. Ask for it. Number two, to grow in patience. Patience is not about balance. It's about harmony. Harmony. Here you can see the virtue of self-control. So you can think of this. A lot of, well, I will put myself in this. I would I always thought that I would have an easier time with patience when I had gotten to this place of balance in my life. Where all the things on my to-do list are being managed well. Where the calendar is being managed well. Where the kids are, so to speak, being managed well and all of these things. Studies and everything that is going into our life. Then, when I'm getting proper sleep, proper food, proper exercise, and all that I have to do is balanced, then I can find patience. The problem with that view on patience is it's like a waiter or a waitress in a busy restaurant who is cleaning tables. You ever seen that? You have like, I'm always amazed at these people. I, I don't think I could do it. But you have like that, that tray, and they're going around and they're like stacking up so many glasses and plates and things. And you're like, if I, just, I just have to keep balance on this tray from here to the dishwashing area, and you're moving through this restaurant. It's You just can't live that way for a long period of time. Of course we will lose patience and things will crash. Eventually. Harmony is a realistic view of life. One of the keys, I believe, to the virtue of patience is surrender to the truth of life. Life has its beautiful notes, its high notes, and it has its low notes. It's just how life is. There will always be traffic jams. My plane flight from Detroit to here, I got a very early flight. Didn't have time to have a cup of coffee. That's already a bad sign. Uh, So patience is already 10 times tougher. It's a packed flight, and the gentleman in front of me, God bless him, 
leans his seat way back. And I'm like crammed in there and the seat's right here and I'm trying to drink my coffee like this and I have my breviary and I'm trying to pray. And he turns around and he says, I want you to know every time you move, you are digging your knee into my back. Harmony. Low note. The low notes of life. Yes. Very hard. We will always find ourselves in these situations, right? There are the beautiful moments. I arrive here, the sun is shining, a beautiful parish, wonderful moments, right? It's this balance. When you expect that there are going to be these times, when we surrender to it, patience comes a little bit easier. Number three, it requires self knowledge. It requires self knowledge. Personally, I know I am losing patience, like I said, on the plane flight. When I feel like there's these little ants that are crawling under my skin. And in that moment, just don't say anything. My dad gave me a great piece of advice. I think my dad's best virtue is patience. I'm so happy I had a patient dad. My dad told me, he said, Jason, you can't fix a car engine when it's overheated. Nothing good will happen. You just burn yourself. You have to let it cool down. What a great insight. This is so important for patients. What the Holy Spirit helps us to do is to grow in wisdom, wisdom, self-knowledge. To realize when we are at our best and then to ask for the grace of fortitude, the gift of fortitude when we are not. Next way to live patience It's about empathy, empathy. Here we're being inspired to love, to love. This is, empathy is to be able to place ourselves in the other person's shoes. To be able to think about what the other person is going through. Again, to use an example from my time of New York, one place where I saw this really well was a a gentleman who told me that when he would come home from work, he had been trading on the stock exchange all day, he would pull up into the driveway and he would turn off the car and he would sit for five minutes in the car. And there he would close his eyes and he would think of his wife and his children before he walked through the door. 
I thought this was amazing. And he would think about, and he would tell himself, all of the money that I traded today is not as important as my wife. The singular most important thing today will, I will do today will be the way that I greet her when I walk through that door. And then he would think about all of the things that she was going through throughout the day. That's empathy. It's thinking about the other person. I found that to be a real beautiful example of how to be a patient. The final way for patience, and this is what I try to do as best as I can, is to think of the big picture. The big picture. Where are we all going? I'm trying to get to heaven. My time in this life is very brief. And one of the great checks I have had to balance myself is I think, is this worth losing my patience over? Will this bother me in five years? Will this bother me in 10 years? Most of the time it doesn't. Some of the times where I've totally lost my patience, um, when Blair Walsh missed the field goal to go to the playoff, or send the Vikings to the next. <laughs> he missed it from 25 yards for crying out loud. I mean, it's like it's there, and then like from he to you, and he kicked it over there. And I, I was actually preaching a retreat and the next talk was supposed to be on the resurrection, the joy of the resurrection. And I was like, I can't watch the Vikings. I can't. They always lose. But I couldn't not do it. And then he misses the field goal. And I was... And, yeah, that was probably the worst talk on the resurrection in the history of the Catholic Church. <laughs> you know? Some things are just going to totally get under our skin. But I have to say, for a lot of the things of life, we, if we can just remember and put the big picture, would this bother me in five years? Hey, it helps. It helps. One of my... Uh, growth and patience moments has been since I've gotten to Michigan because people drive very different in Michigan than they do in New York. New York, I was like cutting people off and I was honking at everyone. I was helping them to live the virtue of patience, right? <laughs> and I remember I had a friend of mine visit me from Georgia and he came up from Georgia and I'm driving him around and I'm and I, I lay on the horn and he's like, Father, you can't do that. You can't honk. That's a consecrated hand. And I, and I was like, I told him, I was like, Kevin, Kevin, a honk is different in New York than it is in Georgia. 
A hug is actually an act of charity and kindness, right? <laughs> anyway, I'll have to say that, okay, there's moments where we lose our patience in little spots, little places, right? But as best as we can, let's try to keep our, the perspective, the perspective in life. Living one of the virtues, we will see a nice ripple effect into other areas of our life. As we wind up this parish mission, let's ask the Holy Spirit to continue to set our hearts aflame with his love, that we will be true, true followers of the Lord. In our gospel today, Jesus breathed over the disciples breath, which is the sign of new life, invoking the moment of Genesis where the Father breathed life into Adam and Eve, this new creation that is breaking forth. Every baptized Christian, every baptized Catholic is a new creation, a new heaven and a new earth. That's from G.K. Chesterton the Holy Spirit present within us, this power, this dynamis, dynamite, that is inspiring us to love as we follow the Lord. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. Amen. God bless you all. It's been a true joy to be with you all. Take care.